Hello everyone and a very warm welcome to this episode of the Scottish Paddlecast brought to you by the Scottish Canoe Association. You're currently tuning in to the latest episode of the People of Paddle Sport series, where we plan on catching up with the diverse characters across the Scottish paddle sport community. If you haven't listened to our earlier podcast, which was our coaching conversation series, I'd highly recommend that you do. I'm your co-host, Javi Litton. And I'm Roger Holmes. We hope you're all well. And today we're talking to Jill Barrow, who is paddler, coach, leader, course provider and mentor. Today we we're mainly focusing on Jill's paddling and coaching journey and how she has built a mentoring philosophy through years of paddle sport delivery. Hello, Jill. Hi, Jill. Hope you're well. And as like an intro question that we're asking all of our guests, um, if you could paddle anywhere in the world, where would it be? Who would it be with? And in what craft would it be in? Hello, everyone. Um, this question poses quite a difficult one for me. Um, I've been lucky enough to paddle with lots of different people in a wide variety of craft and in all sorts of fantastic places around the world. And I hope that there'll be more opportunities to do that in the future. I like paddling with a wide variety of people, but I have to say that getting the chance to paddle with my family has always been a favourite. My kids grew up with paddling and I loved paddling with them and their friends over the years. Now it's really special to be able to share experiences afloat with their kids as well. So with them, it's likely to be Scotland for a while, and that suits me just fine. I paddle on lochs, rivers and the sea, and I'm happy to paddle whatever craft's available and what best suits the location and the conditions at the time. With friends and family, I'm often out in mixed fleets, enjoying the variety and flexibility that that offers. I can I can go along with that one, Jill. That's pretty much what I enjoy doing, going out with the family. That's brilliant. Okay. <laughs> Could you maybe tell us, Jill, a little bit about your journey into paddling and how, how that led to coaching, maybe? Okay. Well, I don't know why, but I just always wanted to paddle. I can remember as a child just wanting to go and paddling at the time. It was kayaks that people saw. And it wasn't anything that my family did, so I don't really know why it was such a, a pull for me. Um, but anyway, I managed to get myself started by choosing to go to a scripture union camp that involved kayaking as well as pony trekking, which I was really keen on. And teaching myself as a 13-year-old out on Lochard is a really happy, memorable experience. I went again the next year and knew that I just loved it. We weren't given much instruction or any coaching, but I happily worked things out for myself and just loved being out on the water. Um, from there, I think I took every opportunity I could, um, including things like I paddled a Klepper Aries with one of my mum's German students, um, and we went from as high up on the River Forth as we could float the boat, and we, we paddled from there. And we also used to use that boat to sail and paddle on the, on the Firth of Forth. Um, but I think everywhere I just tried to find opportunities to paddle. And when I got the opportunity through school to go to Benmore twice, um, that really opened up the world of outdoor education to me. And the experiences there probably really started me on, on my paddling and coaching journey. That's really interesting. So that, that was your first first introduction to paddling. That's really interesting. Well, when when was the decision made between paddle sports and pony trekking? 
<laughs> That's quite a good question because I did. Um, I suppose initially the the horse riding was just a love of my life. But to be honest, I was never going to be able to have my own horse and. Uh, It was such an expensive activity to do that I was unlikely to do it very often. Um, And I think think probably as soon as I got the chance to kayak, um, I was... I was happy that I was probably going to do more of that. I still, I still kept on my my real love of, of horse riding for quite a long, and there's been periods of my life where I have um, ridden horses, and I always always enjoy the opportunity for it. But yeah, I suppose somehow I knew it wasn't going to be that major focus, and I don't know. I still am puzzled why I thought that kayaking would be a major focus. <laughs> You know, it was. Uh, well, it was kayaking's gain and pony trekking's loss. So it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we have in our notes, Jill, that you um, that you were offered a scholarship for college and university. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about that, what it was for, and and what it led to? Okay, um, so yeah, this was this was really interesting because I I went to school in Edinburgh. I went to Leith Academy, and um, for some reason, in my fourth year, um, no, sorry, my yeah, my fourth year, they decided that um, they they had a they'd been asked if they would like to put forward somebody for a scholarship to Atlantic College, um, and I hadn't heard of the college. I didn't really know anything about it, um, but I was quite intrigued about the whole idea and um, and of going to an interview and things, so decided to go for the interview and, in fact, and then again the place. And um, it's an international college. It's based on the ideas of Kurt Hahn, um, so it sort of had an established aim of developing international understanding through shared endeavor and uh, service to the community. And, and it was linked with my experience at Benmore um, because I'd gone to Benmore with the school, but the second time I was there um, was actually over the, the date of the interview was during my week that I was at Benmore. So at the time I wouldn't have missed going to Benmore um, for doing the interview. But in fact, what the head of centre at, um, at Benmore uh, just said, oh, I'll, I'll put you on a train and you can get to Edinburgh and you can do the interview and you can come back and you can carry on with the week. And so I did that. And I don't, I don't think it really occurred to me until I was back sitting with my friends back at the sail base on, on the Holy Loch here. Um, I don't think it had occurred to me that I actually would maybe get the place. Um, and, but sure enough, I, I got the place and I went down to South Wales um, in the, after a summer of doing a bit of sailing, teaching and things. Um, but I went down... I went down to Atlantic College and I had two years there. Um, and it's, it's based on the coast between Cardiff and Swansea. And, and really, I just, I entered an intense two years of challenging academics, friends from all over the world, and so many opportunities to further my experience in, in outdoor activities. Um, 
I chose Beach Rescue as my service, so everybody does a service, and um, I chose Beach Rescue, which involved kayaking on the sea, surfing, and surf lifesaving. Um, I still continued with my sailing and with orienteering, and I dabbled in lots of other activities, but um, because of choosing my service, it meant that, that kayaking was, was very much a, um, a centre um, activity. And, um, and yeah, I suppose the lifestyle of every activity, of every afternoon being an activity afternoon, and then of having um, the opportunities on a Sunday to sometimes do a, a full day activity, it just suited me down to the ground. I just loved it. And as I could sail, I became an instructor in sailing straight away. And sailing fireballs on a surf coastline is exciting stuff. <laughs> and that's really where I began my coaching. Uh-huh. And that was age 16. Okay. Uh, but then in, in our services, um, you spent your first year learning skills and gaining experience and being coached by your second year leaders. And then by the time you came to your second year, um, you took over and or some of us did. I'm not quite sure how that happened, but I certainly did. And so by my second year, I was also instructing sea kayaking, surfing and surf lifesaving. Um, and we also, we also competed in those things as well. Um, it was an interesting time for me because sort of unknown to me, my philosophy about pe- people and about coaching was starting to take shape. And I found myself at times at, odd with, at odds with what was the accepted practice of the time. Um, it was all based on a very authoritarian task and, and coach-centred approach. And being impelled into experience was seen as being character building. Well, for me, I think I just, I just loved the exciting challenges and I, I enjoyed the physically demanding activities. And so it probably was. But there were others, though, who I could see were just being left behind and who were being discarded because they couldn't meet either the psychological or the physical demands. Uh-huh. And that just didn't seem right to me. I wanted to keep them involved. I wanted to be able to alter the goals to meet their aspirations and the level of their fitness. I wanted experiences to be open to not just those who could keep up or match the performance of others. Uh-huh. So, so I think that was me starting to sort of realize why oh, I, I actually do have, um, you know, I want to be able to tailor my sessions so that they meet the needs of my participants and help them achieve their own goals. And, and I wanted them to enjoy sharing experiences out on the water. Um, so for, for, for many of the time, this, this wasn't what coaching leadership was about. <laughs> um, anyway, for me, it was an amazing experience. And at the end of my two years, I was pretty sure that I wanted a, a career in teaching. Um, the deciding which subject was was more difficult. Uh-huh. Art and English were actually uh, the appealing things, but as so often in my life, sport won the day, and I ended up um, accepting a place at Dunfermline College of Physical Education. Um, however, Atlantic College offered me a one-year job out in Thailand, 
uh, which was to teach swimming and sailing and English in a Thai school. Um, so, another opportunity. Wow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did that go? Well, I delayed my college place and I, and I spent the summer working up as a Benmore as a temporary instructor thinking, oh, I'm going to be doing this for, for real now. I'm going, you know, off for the year. And I mean, it was, it was absolutely amazing. It was incredible living as part of a Thai family um, and, and learning so much about different cultures, different perspectives, and also about the process of teaching, um, which I really enjoyed. Uh-huh. That's, that's really interesting. <laughs> quite, quite, a, quite, quite a culture shock from... A huge culture shock. So, yes, I left a very progressive um, college to live as part of a Thai family. Um, I, I learned a whole new language. I, um, oh, I, it was just amazing. It was an incredible experience at the time, you know, at that time. So I was 18... And, um, yeah, it, it was amazing. Uh, yeah, it was the first time I'd flown, so it was, you know, to, to go off and fly to Singapore was <laughs> pretty amazing. Um, and I didn't even know really where Thailand was on the map when I actually took the job. Yeah, so. Oh, yeah, yeah, big step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can yeah. imagine all these new experiences at such a young age. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. We uh, we also have in our notes that you have represented paddle sport internationally. Okay. How, um, can can you tell can you tell us and the listeners a little about that and how that's helped you develop your mentoring philosophy? Yeah, um, I suppose so. In through my time when I came back to Edinburgh and I went to college and the outdoor department at. at Dunfermline College is just was just amazing for um, me to develop my skills and to to do that in the context of my um, learning to be a teacher as well, and and I suppose um, during college I got lots of opportunities to paddle and I became a very keen river paddler. So I'd sort of then moved and I'd sort of became aware too that the sea. Um, kayaking that I'd done before was only one branch of sea kayaking but I also became I became really keen on paddling rivers and through through college I got lots of opportunities to go river paddling and um, with with college but also with friends who I just knew by men and and I'd be going off paddling with them and with people I'd worked with at Benmore too and and then they went to slalom competitions, so it was just part and parcel of us being river paddlers was that we went to slalom competitions. And I was gradually working my way up divisions, but it was a social activity. It was all just part of going paddling, and, and I, I just loved it. Um, I think it was probably when I started teaching, um, so I was then out, teaching in a school and I had a group of really, really keen kids who I, I did a lot of um, uh, kayak coaching with, but then I also took them to slaloms and I was developing their slalom paddling while I was still working on mine and I had kids who were advancing up the, the divisions as well. Um, but I think after a while I decided that if I wanted to actually 
um, improve at my own paddling. I was going to need to dedicate a bit more time to it. And so I decided to pair um, taking my, my training a bit more seriously with going and doing a master's degree at Stirling University. So at Stirling at the time, there was an advanced training squad. And so I had the fact that I, I then went and did a master's degree while also being able to train with this advanced training squad, um, which was hugely to my benefit. And I think, I think it was maybe the first winter of that that I was also persuaded that it would be a good idea to add in some whitewater racing for endurance development during the winter. Well, what happened that by the spring, I'd basically done a bit of a change of focus and whitewater racing was now the main focus even though I still continued to do slalom and I went to sprint events and to marathon events, but um, whitewater racing had become the, the main deal for me, I think. Um, and, and so I, I ended up, um, I think that next year, I raced for Scotland in both um, whitewater racing and slalom, but then the next year I got selected for Britain and so I was racing for the GB team um, from the next year in whitewater racing. Oh, wow. Start. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating to hear this, this crossover between lots of disciplines and how you've progressed in, in those disciplines. Yeah, and I think I think it was, you know, as I said to you, that river paddling at that time it just seemed natural to people that they would that they would go to slaloms as well as part of that, and and there was still a, I mean, we paddled a huge amount, and I and I suppose in in the early divisions you get to paddle lots at a slalom event. As we got higher up the divisions, you get less time to paddle, but it teaches you more about about. Um, watching other people and and actually mentally preparing for things too which was was great but the the river racing um again i think it hadn't appealed to me initially because it was done over the winter and i just thought it would be cold whereas of course it's just like going for a run you're not cold while you're out going for a run and um and i i learned that actually i just loved the freedom of and, and I suppose I was well suited to endurance events, so um, I, w I moved to whitewater racing, really. Oh, that's, that's really fascinating. I, I like that. Um, in fact, one of my own, my own kids has gone from slalom to wild, wild water racing, which is an interesting <laughs> comparison. Yeah, uh -huh. Uh -huh. That's good. <laughs> um, so, so following the, your sort of international success and, you know, career or maybe part, while it was happening, what, what were the key milestones in your paddling journey in terms of mentoring, do you feel? Um, I suppose throughout my paddling, I think I have had fantastic role models and I've had really good support from friends and people within my family and from my teammates. And I was aware that my paddling was at a level that, that lots of other people aspired to move towards. And I realized that I, I could actually help them get to where they wanted to be. 
And, and I suppose it's gone hand in hand with my work because at work I was doing everything from introducing people to the sport. So I was, I was doing basic um, paddle sport sessions and things. But I also had opportunities to do progressive coaching with generally with older pupils and with adult groups. And I also had um, trainee instructors at the centre. And for quite a long time, they were my responsibility. And that gave me an opportunity to not only do my coaching, but also become more of a mentor to them. So even in the things that I wasn't directly involved in their coaching, I was still playing a role of a mentor for them. And, and I realized it was something, again, that just gave me a lot of satisfaction. It was something that I hadn't really had any training in, but I was keen to do a good job of. And I suppose I, I worked through systems where I, I read about it lots. I tried to think about what in my experience had, had, um, had maybe taken the place that I, if I'd had a mentor, um, what the kind of things that, that people had offered to me that had been helpful. And, and I was trying to do the same um, with others, really. That's really nice to do that, getting that sort of feeling good because you're helping others to, to advance yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's great. And um, so you mentioned that you did your master's at Stirling and before that you had a scholarship with Atlanta College. But um, for your own development, have you completed any formal training or any CPD to help advance <laughs> yourself as a course provider and now mentor? Yeah, so um, I think a life in the outdoors, I used to often say to my my trainees, never think that you'll reach there, never think you'll get to the finish point, never think you'll have jumped the final um, thing because I said it's, it's continuous and, you know, I would often say to them, you know, Yes, each 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 little milestone on the way, each each qualification, each award is just a step on on the way, and there's always the next step. And even if you're not taking another another level or a formal step, there was always the improvement at what you were doing there. So for me, for me, the CPD, I've I've never found a shortage of things to do for my continuous development. And I've, I've always tended to set my own goals about things. And I, I used to have a sort of planning phase, um, usually around New Year, I would have a planning phase, but I would goal set for myself. And I would do the, the things of thinking, okay, how am I going to do this? And who do I need to help me do this? And what opportunities are there for me to um, achieve my own um, professional development? And, and I did have lots of opportunities and um, so you know I'd, I'd been picking up qualifications sort of a and I'd done a lot of that quite early so even by the time I left college I had a lot of outdoor qualifications but I was still throughout my career of coaching things I was still I was still developing my qualifications as well as developing my skills and experience and and I did appreciate the the things which did help my professional development, you know, that, that had the knock-on effect of making me better at doing what I was doing in the coaching and in the mentoring world. 
I think when I got the opportunity to do the SCA mentoring course just last year, that was that was brilliant for me because, as I say, I'd never had any formal training. I thought I was doing some mentoring, but I'd never been quite sure if I was doing things in an acceptable way, if I was doing things well, and um, I did things that seemed to work, um, but I hadn't had the formal training, and and I was keen to actually have the opportunity to get some. Um, yeah, and the course the course was really good, and it and it did it did help me. It it gave me it gave me more confidence about some of the things that I was already doing. It gave me an idea sort of, of how I could improve that and that was partly by just showing me the kind of structure that might be in place in a mentoring relationship, which I think when I was working, I think I already had that sort of basis of a structure. Uh-huh. When, when it became mentoring that wasn't so directly tied with my work, I think I was less structured in my approach and that maybe I, I saw, well, having a bit more structure might help from both both sides, really. No, that's that's really positive to hear that it that it gave gave you something, even though you've had years of doing mentoring yourself, but just giving you a reassurance, I guess, that you were doing doing things in a in a good way. How would you describe your your mentoring philosophy then, Jill? Um, so it's definitely it's definitely grown from my coaching philosophy. It's based on my values and beliefs about people. And it's based on acceptance and trust and respect, I suppose, would be the key things for me. Uh-huh. That's really interesting. So, Jill, over your fantastic career in paddle sports so far, how do you feel like your mentoring and coaching has developed during this time in the sport? It's just developed the whole time. It's never stopped um, changing, developing. And, and it's hard, you know, if I said... Like at the beginning, I often felt that I was I was out of step with what was established coaching of the time, and and I often I did I did sort of fight against it a bit because I was I was finding that my values and beliefs weren't really echoed in the the kind of coaching that was happening at the time, and so I think. I've always ploughed my own furrow a bit. I think I have, I have, I felt too strongly about it to just sort of um, conform to what I was expected to do. But obviously there was a bit of a balance of that because in order to get the qualifications at the time, in order to, to have recognition from other people, I had to, I had to show that I could do what was expected of me at the time. I'm very relieved now to feel that in the structures that we have in place just now for coaching, there's an awful lot more room for people to develop their own philosophy and to be able to coach in a way that is true to themselves and that is based on meeting participants' needs rather than being coach coach centered as a sort of foundation of it. That's sort of the the coaching qualifications, the the philosophy has sort of come round to your way of thinking almost, Joe. Yes, and I think I think I'd say now that you know I am. I'm very relieved to find that participant-focused coaching is now definitely to the fore. 
and and I'm glad that now people can see the usefulness of both coaching and mentoring as well because I think in in some ways before it was sort of seen that you needed it at the beginning but there wasn't perhaps much much available to help you carry on developing whereas now I think that there is a recognition there's people who who can coach and develop paddlers and there's there's a recognition from paddlers that that would be helpful to their progression and I think the fact that now you know, recognizing that a mentor can be helpful to people's development, I think is really good. And, and I mean, for myself, I'm, I'm really pleased that I'm still finding opportunities to put something back because, I mean, I've just had so much out of a lifetime of paddle sport. Um, and it is, it is great to think that I can still contribute things. Um, yeah. Nice. That's, that's, that's brilliant. I mean, just on the, on the mentoring side of things, what do you feel are the key requirements of being a good mentor? Um, so I think being able to listen and then also being able to ask questions that help a mentee to see their own solutions or to see steps towards their own solutions. And, and I think at, at basic, the very basics too is that there's genuine interest and care for a person. So actually being able to see their goals as being, as being the important thing about their feelings and thoughts and aspirations as driving the process rather than anything about my thoughts and aspirations and driving a process. So I see it very definitely as, as led by the mentee um, and that I'm, hopefully a resource that they can use to to develop their own progress that's yeah again around your sort of participant centered sort of ethos yeah wow that's amazing i'm i'm sure i can speak on behalf of both me and roger it's been a fantastic interview and um just being a bit mindful of the time and i've really enjoyed how our conversation has kind of come around in a full circle in fact we've talked about your how you got into paddling and your paddling career. And now we're talking a bit more about the mentoring. However, as a final note, and I'm aware that you kind of touched on this in your last answer, but do you have any, any advice for any young aspiring coaches or mentors? Okay. Well, I would say that lighting your own fire and making sure that it keeps burning is really important. Uh, I think having a passion for the sport and for helping others reach their goal just goes a long way. No, that's, that's, that's fantastic, Joe. That's been a really fascinating um, podcast. It's really great to hear your, your story into, into paddle sport um, and, po- and pony trekking's loss. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure people are going to find that really interesting. Thank you so much for that, Joel. That was, that was brilliant. Well, thank you. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of uh, nuggets of wisdom there. So if the listeners at home yeah. are taking notes, uh, if they haven't been taking notes, I definitely recommend that they do so. Thank you, everyone at home, for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, and Apple. We hope you've enjoyed listening today. And most importantly, we hope that everyone's keeping safe. Thank you again, Joe. Goodbye. Thank Thank you. you. Bye. Bye. Bye.